Hi, everyone, and we're so excited to have you back for episode two of Chemistry, the podcast. I'm your host, Lucy, and I'm super excited to have our second guest of our podcast.、Um, this is Alyssa. She is a rising fourth year graduate student at UCI.、Um, she is a part of the Yang Lab, and,、um, other, and she is also an NSF GRFP fellow. And Alyssa, why don't you introduce yourself、okay. to our wonderful audience? <laughs> okay, hi everyone. I am super excited to be on this podcast. It is a huge honor for me, especially since my mentee, Erin, was the very first guest, and I really enjoyed the first episode. So, Lucy, thank you so much、Aww. for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you.、Um, I know that I've been following you on Twitter since I got Science Twitter,、oh、which was not that long ago. And also,、um, Aaron, your mentee, is one of my closest friends. And I know the one thing you're really passionate about is like, mentorship. And I feel like being a mentor is one of like, the. Like the unofficial like, guidelines or, or like, requirements of grad school, especially if you want to go, go into whether it's industry or academia, especially.、Um, how does being a mentor like, affect you as a graduate student, and how do you like, want to become like, the best mentor there is? Any tips for like, maybe upcoming first year graduate students who are maybe excited or scared <laughs> about mentoring people? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh.、Um, I, always, I always have like, so much to say about mentorship because <laughs> I feel like I've had kind of not an unconventional way of like, finding mentorship for myself, but I feel like the, the desire to be mentored and to mentor others is very, very, very important in academia, especially, especially in graduate school. It's a very tumultuous environment. I think、um, mentorship. Is something that you don't really think consciously about until you either one, have a really great mentor, or two, have a mentor who's not really great for you, who can potentially do some damage on you.、Yeah. Um, and I feel like, unfortunately, my case was the latter. I won't talk about it too much, but essentially, I, I realized that I needed mentorship that was different from the mentorship that I was receiving.、Um, and I needed it desperately.、Uh, I have been struggling with imposter syndrome since day one of graduate school, since day minus 300, because all of undergrad, I also struggled with it as well. But、um, for me, finding mentors for myself has been so critical to my success. And because of that, and because of how impactful good mentors have been on my life, especially the mentor I have now, Jenny Yang,、um, it, it's to me, I see mentorship as like the goal. Not, not the goal, but like one of the most, if not the most, crucial factors、uh, in a person's success.、Um, Or their, their trajectory for success, especially throughout school when they're still considered a student,、um, undergrad, and grad school.、Um, it is so essential to have mentors that you can look up to, mentors that you feel comfortable being around, mentors that you can learn from, mentors that really see you as a whole human、um, instead of just as a scientist, because I think like 
sometimes people want to say like oh like well I only care about the science like I don't see color and (laughs) as a woman of color I am a brown person that does not work for me Um, because it'll never be like that for me and I, I understand the intent is not bad but the impact can be so negative um and it can be very hurtful so to me um i've really really made it a priority as as soon as i realized how impactful mentorship was and how negatively impactful the lack of mentorship can be um i really made it a point to focus on trying to mentor others as best as i can but also to help other people around me in my cohort um in years below me and of course undergrads as well um find mentorship that works for them in many different ways there are tons of different types but it's so it's so important to find people who can uplift you yeah no that's so like everything you said is just so like spot on i feel like especially the part you um, the when you talked about like being a woman of color and how some mentors might say like oh like it's just science it's just like what you can do i don't see color and i think it's great how you acknowledge that that's probably doesn't come from a place of malice but more of like a lack of understanding or education exactly because as women of color our trajectory our path is cannot be the same as someone who hasn't really experienced being marginalized haven't really hasn't really experienced like being like but being put on the back burner so um maybe yes i'm not saying that like people from like different backgrounds can't mentor each other but i but i do feel like there is this gap like that somebody who might not have gone through the same experiences it's like impossible for them to understand exactly exactly and empathy is so crucial to good mentorship to quality equitable mentorship it's it's hard to fabricate you can't and and there's only so much you can do if you're not really willing to cater your mentorship style uh differently to different people and i think that that's really key because what works for one set of people is not going to work for another set of people that's why we have such a huge problem with diversity in stem especially in chemistry Um, right now and why we have continued to have problems because people look at their labs and they say, oh, I'm graduating lots of students. I'm doing a good job. I have mentored so many students to this point, but what do they all have in common? (laughs) The most of them are white men. (laughs) Um, and, And it's great that that's worked for them. But if we really desire as a community, as a, as a, um, as a field to increase diversity and make knowledge more accessible, make our science actually impactful, get it out to people, we have to be willing to do the hard things to make sure that we can bring people into the field because otherwise nothing is going to change. Yeah, I think it's great how I brought up this topic is I was, I feel like half an hour ago, an hour ago, I just had this conversation with somebody else about the importance of like the younger generation, whether it's like little kids or like, let's say undergrads or people in high school, like coming into college, maybe even people in college going looking for graduate schools. It's important for them to see themselves represented in like the upper echelons, we can say of the field. And I know for you, um, and we just talked about it, um, like this whole concept of diversity and equity is something that you hold really close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that like programs, institutions can do, the field of chemistry in general, what do you think they can do better to make it a safer place for marginalized groups? What, what do you think they can do to get these marginalized forces heard? Mm. Oh, that's such a great question. And it's hard. There is no one answer. Um, I am not an expert by any means. And I, I think that 
many people who want to help but say like oh I don't know where to start or like I don't know what to do <laughs> let's make a new committee and then the committee kind of just sits around twiddles their thumbs and does nothing not that that's a thing that happens at UCI but it's <laughs> definitely a thing that I've noticed happening generally and people have really good intentions but they don't know what to do with it um, especially people in power and honestly like they just need to turn to experts I think the only concrete thing I can think of as someone who's not an expert myself um, other than the lived experiences that I have as a person of color um, is just hire experts bring in people who are trained people who know the literature um, about actually effectively getting diverse populations in and keeping them in getting them through without damaging them <laughs> into uh, the faculty um, not just as professors but also uh, as like office staff people that can act as a resource for students for graduate students for undergraduate students a point person even for professors because some professors care but they don't know where to go and because they have that fear of doing something wrong they don't do anything which is just as damaging it's very complicit so to me that alone would be a start and and universities especially like ucr are so large we have so much money we can do it we can make these changes it's just a matter of having people people in the higher echelons like you said really advocate for bringing in those experts because that's the only thing that's going to really make change we need people who are paid for their time paid for their work um who know what they're doing um to come in and do a job perform a service it's a service and and it's a it's a it's really important to me (laughs) i feel like what you do here is so important because it's not just it's it's gonna make an impact like a long after your graduate career and especially i feel like here at uci um it's already like um, I feel like compared to other colleges I visited like, while I was looking for colleges, UCI was one of like the relatively, I would say, yeah. more diverse <laughs> ones. And I feel like UCI, like as a school, we pride ourselves on being diverse and being like, oh, like we accepted the, like, the most first gen first years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I feel like what we talk about right now is super important because it's, oh, yes, we have all these students. How can we help them get further, I think? just so important absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I think especially because like graduate students like myself and then even professors like women of color who are professors men of color who are professors people from marginalized groups who have these really high caliber jobs who have very demanding work schedules a lot of extra emotional labor and effort gets placed onto them so they have to carry a lot of burdens much more so than their white counterparts I have to carry a lot more emotional burdens than my white cohort mates. And a lot of that is because I choose to, because I literally cannot ignore the plight of other students who are like myself. But but it's also like this this very, very unequal distribution of work um, that's really for the benefit of the department, the entire department and school. Um, And that's why to me, it's so essential to bring in outside help Incredible expert help that is again paid for their services because doing free labor is so uh, time-consuming yeah. and it's a thankless job. Yeah, so, and, <laughs> and it's like, and it's not like just time; it's it's emotional labor in a exactly. way too. Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah. 
Um, which you mentioned something earlier on. I feel like it was a couple questions ago before our previous conversation really took off, and I love how it took off. I feel like <laughs> it's a conversation that um, I see it a lot on Twitter, mm-hmm. but I don't see it enough yeah. like in person. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. But I um, agree. I agree. The microcosm of yeah. Twitter is very, very far removed from real life. From and real, it, yeah. Sometimes I go on Twitter and it makes me very hopeful because I see people having all these great discussions and I. Think oh how is this actually translating to real life? Real life. There's so much more we need to do. Yeah. Um, but you did mention how um, you struggled a lot with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, it's something that I struggle a lot with too, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners also. It's it's, it's a common struggle, especially I feel like from people of color yeah. or like any if you if you are marginalized in any way. Um, how do you, um, how do you deal with the like deal with it whenever you start feeling <laughs> imposter syndrome and how do you like so what what do you suggest to other people who might be going through the same struggle? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's one of my biggest biggest uh, <laughs> enemies. I think. Um, oh my God. Uh, where even to begin? I have had imposter syndrome for so long and I will be very honest my mental health is something that I've been working on my entire life especially my adult life as well and for me I have depression and anxiety and those interplay to a great extent with imposter syndrome to kind of make it worse it really exacerbates it um and I think for people like myself or if anything I could if 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 anything I could just like give advice to my younger self and it would be to think for of a couple of things one everyone regardless of their background feels some level of imposter syndrome which is absolutely wild i mean like i have uh like my boss i've talked to her about Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome and she experiences it which just blows my mind it's almost unfathomable um to hear this r1 professor say that they have imposter syndrome to such an uh a high extent uh, but it's also very encouraging. I think that we feel we tend to isolate ourselves when we feel like imposter syndrome coming on. We feel like we're on an island on our own and that we're the imposter, that no one else is an imposter, but we all feel like it. <laughs> um, oh my God. So it's, it's like it, it can be very freeing to be honest about it. So be honest about it. Don't try and hide it or internalize it because that's the that's the um, that's kind of the temptation. Like you feel like you have to keep it to yourself because if anyone finds out, they'll think, oh, well, they have imposter syndrome because they're an imposter, <laughs> not because they're just doubting themselves or because they might not have representation or because they might not have adequate mentorship. Um, but you're so worried that you'll, um, or at least this is how I felt. Um, I was so worried that I would like be identified as an imposter and, and have someone say like, Oh, you're really not supposed to be here. And, um, and that's just not the case. (laughs) And it's, it's been, it's been remarkable. I think like over the past year or so, I've been a much, 
much better job of kind of beating back imposter syndrome whenever it comes to where it's head. And that's not to say that I've defeated it forever. <laughs> I think it is unfortunate and kind of scary, but imposter syndrome is kind of just something that sticks with you, especially when you're in a field where not a lot of people look like you. It <laughs> makes it really, really hard um, because you, you don't see yourself and, and you don't see yourself represented in, in higher positions and you think like, if, if no one else could do it, like, how can I? Um, uh, but I think surrounding yourself with people who not only are similarly honest about their own imposter syndrome, but also with people who uplift you and can help you bring, bring, bring a little bit more of reality into the way that you think about yourself and your own achievements. Like, um, I have in my office, (laughs) I printed out a bunch of things that like are very, very, um, uh, impactful to me because they made me think, oh, wow, I really am supposed to be here. And, and I, uh, I feel like I'm making so many tangents, so no, I apologize. It's okay. But... it's okay. This is a podcast but, of tangents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, things that I cannot say, or well, <laughs> things that I have tried in the past to say, oh, I got this thing, but it was a fluke. I fooled them <laughs> because I'm the imposter. <laughs> but but I look at these things and on paper I think, oh wow, I, I have achieved a good deal of things. Um, so I like I printed out my letter from NSF when I got my NSF GRFP and like the various grad school um, advancement things, the yeah. advancement hurdles. I printed out the email that told me that I advanced to candidacy successfully. <laughs> um, and just other things like that, like other things that help confirm, um, okay, well, I can do this so I can do something else. And on the side, I have done a ton of work, a ton of, a ton of mental work to remove my self-worth from my academic achievements. Um, because it, 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 for so long, contributed really heavily to my depression and anxiety. Um, and I think that mental health is something that we don't talk about as often as we need to. Uh, and we desperately need to. I, 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 it could save lives, literally. <laughs> um, and, because it can get so dire so quickly without really realizing it, you know? So I think um, for, for, for me, it's been difficult to have like periods of stagnation where I feel like, oh, like lab stuff isn't going super great. I feel like I'm not achieving anything. Um, I must be a failure, <laughs> but <laughs> which is, it's relatable, right? It yeah, sucks, it's but it's so really relatable. <laughs> but like you're doing science and science, so much of it is failure. And it's scary to say, and it's so irritating to say repeatedly because everyone goes to that. Like, oh, well, it's a, you have to fail in science, but it's scary. Yeah. We're all scared of it's not the best feeling (laughs) and we have to be able to acknowledge that it's not the best feeling but but also I think like for me a huge part of my ability to beat back imposter syndrome into submission has been removing my self-worth from the things that I do in lab because I'm more than the results that I produce in lab you are more than the results that you produce in lab you're more than any accolade that you will ever achieve and you as a Goldwater scholar have achieved quite a bit Lucy (laughs) I'm very excited for you and your future Uh, but honestly like even even if I were at this point to never receive any other honor again like 
I don't measure my impact by title anymore. I don't measure it by award. I can't measure it by grades or homework anymore yeah. because grad school is very different yeah, from undergrad. Uh, but um, to me, the impact that I have on people is so much more indicative of my actual success or whatever um, than anything uh, in lab ever will be. And I'm so excited to <laughs> eventually publish the work that I'm working on mm-hmm. in my lab, but um, it's not to me as pivotal to who I am as a person as the impact that I have on others. And I think like we each have to do work and it's a lot, yeah. but it's worth the effort to pinpoint what really makes you, you. And to me, it's that impact. And especially through mentorship. Like, it's so, it's so essential (laughs) to me. Um, (laughs) I hope that answers your question. It does. And I feel like, I feel like I really needed to hear that. I'm glad. And I feel like, hopefully a lot of our listeners need need to hear, like, wanted to hear that too. Yeah. Oh, one Um. last thing. (laughs) Um, I saw a tweet, like, a couple of months ago, but it also really shifted my perspective. Um, Uh... That said, is it imposter syndrome or is it white supremacy? (laughs) And I lost my mind, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because I realized, wow, a lot of the times it's white supremacy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Just like, especially, especially for women of color, women of marginalized backgrounds from historically excluded groups, we're so high achieving. (laughs) We have to do academic work and emotional labor on top of that and our white male counterparts don't often have to face the same level of hurdles that we do and yet we end up in the same place and sometimes sometimes they come across as more cocky or more confident and they they get the attention they get the accolades they get the awards but (laughs) do they do emotional labor on top of all of those things we may never know. We never know. <laughs> and yet, white supremacy shows his face again. Yes. Um, so, yeah. anyways, just keep that in mind. Yeah. I that has really it's become a comfort for myself, <laughs> especially especially again in chemistry. It's such yeah. um, white male dominated field. It is very very hard, and like I have very very deal dear. Uh, white male friends. Yeah. They have imposter syndrome too. Yeah, no, same. They have imposter syndrome too. And it's wild to me because they're amazing. But, but they face very different struggles than we do. Yeah. And that's just a fact. It's not mm-hmm. saying like, oh, I have it worse than you. It's just that we face such different struggles. Yeah. It's just not comparable. And I feel like it's impossible to even normalize. Exactly. exactly. It's different, like not just between groups, it's different between people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And... and it's something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm through mentorship and often it's not yeah <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yes um uh, you do mention up one thing i think this might be like one of the last more serious questions mm-hmm. we have time for today um but you did mention something about the importance of addressing mental health mm-hmm. and i 100 percent agree with you that it's definitely not talked about enough especially like in the chemistry world in the science world in the mm-hmm. academic world mm-hmm. But the thing is, as he said, like, it's not just undergrads, graduate students. Everyone goes through mental health struggles. Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter, like, who you are, how, what you have achieved, mm-hmm. what, at what high caliber you work. Mm-hmm. 
why do you think that it's something that so many people, especially in our field, try to hide? They're like, I'm falling apart on the inside,、mm-hmm. but I'm st- I still have to do experiments. I still have to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. I can't let other people find out I'm going through this. Yeah. Oh, it's the per- it's our fear of the perception of being perceived as weak. Um, we we all want to come across as like as as like strong whatever that means or as like well put together whatever that means、um, as we can and and we are worried especially for those of us who experience imposter syndrome that having these like moments of weakness where we admit I can't get this done I need a break.、Um, That that will indicate to other people that we can't do it, and it will also. I I personally have experienced this at least.、Um, I also, when I have moments like that, I'm afraid. Oh, for myself,、uh, it's confirmation to myself that I can't do it.、Um, so like even beyond like what the perception is from others, it's like myself perceiving myself as weak. Uh, but that all comes from our really horrible relationship with rest,、okay. um, and the the need to rest, the right to rest, and and I compromised my time to rest for so long in grad school. So long. I did it in undergrad too, and I was younger, so I could handle it、um, uh, uh, physically、uh, and energetically. But I can't do it anymore. My body just won't let me. Yeah.、Um, and I got so burnt out so many times, and it was so vicious、uh, to my mental health, to my physical health.、Um, and I can try. To, I can handle it a lot better now because I don't compromise on my rest. When I need to rest, I have to rest.、Yeah. I cannot push through,、um, and burnout. I have experienced such terrible bur- burnout. It's、yeah. scary. You 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 cannot push through it. It will only get worse.、Um, and you, it, it's so pivotal to rest, and and so many, so many things in society because we're so obsessed with the idea of like working hard and achieving as much as we want. Uh, through hard work and hard work alone, and not privilege. <laughs>、um, uh, so, so much of us thinks that rest is something that you earn, and it's not. Rest is not something that you earn. You don't need to do anything to earn rest, other than exist and live.、Um, and for that, for that alone, <laughs> you must rest when you need to. It's so. It has been pivotal to me, especially, especially in my my journey to really, really take care of my mental health.、Um, but my science is better when I rest. My presentations are better when I rest. I am a better person when I rest, and I've identified. Um, like I said, with like mentorship and who I am as a person, but like I have identified things that I need to do in order to feel rested, and I can't compromise on those things. If I do, next day I'll be exhausted, and I won't get as much done、um, in the lab. I won't be able to respond to as many emails.、Um, I just won't be my best version of myself, and I want to, so I have to rest, and I cannot. Encourage you and anyone who is listening to enough, but please try at least take a step towards changing your mindset about what it means to rest and what it means to take time to not do whatever job you have to do. It is scary and it's terrifying, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, who are in higher positions of power, 
don't care <laughs> um, about rest in the same way, but they do care about the results. And if you have to communicate it to them that like, I'm not gonna get these results unless I rest, so be it. Because it, it's it's about you. You have to prioritize yourself. Yeah. And I, it's so much easier said than done. I know. <laughs> and I struggle with it all the time. Yes. It's not like I figured it all out. I just... <laughs> It's a, I think it's a, it's a commitment for life, um, especially because I would like to be a professor someday, so I'm going to be staying in this field. <laughs> but, um, but it's so, it's so essential to just start trying to do as soon as you can, because um, I wish that I had started to do it sooner. I really like what you said about like how everything you do is better after mm-hmm. rest, and it just reminds me of um, this Chinese proverb. Um, and translated, it basically means like um, sharpening the knife and chopping firewood is the same amount of work. Mm. So it's so like when I think about it, it's like it's like it's it's like you're not not working if you're like resting or like in this case sharpening your knife, mm-hmm. um, sharpening your axe, uh, whatever. <laughs> but like <laughs> but like with like a sharper knife, you're able to chop more wood. So yep. like it's like exactly like what you said. Absolutely. Like if you get that rest, you are able to do better work. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for me, it's something I need to work on too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it, good we reminder. all do. We all do. Yeah. I think um, putting time towards yourself, investing time into yourself. Um, if you have to think of it in capitalistic terms, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so, it's absolutely a worthy investment. It's yeah. more than worthy. It's, it's all you have. Mm, yeah. It's yeah. what keeps us alive. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's just. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Thank you for this. Yeah. This was so good. I feel like I'm so glad that like it was like we had this conversation today because I felt like this was something I needed to hear like right now. And I hope that our listeners are able to reap the benefits of our conversation. Is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know? Um, let me know. <laughs> oh man. I think um find your support system. (laughs) I think there's not a single day that goes by that I don't think about how just intensely grateful I am for all of the fantastic friends that I have made in graduate school. And it took a lot of time and effort to make those friends. And I am so grateful that I made that a priority when I began because I knew that I would need a lot of support. Someone like myself needs a lot more hands-on help from people. Um, and it's just been just such a fantastic, fantastic opportunity to get to know them and have them support me. And and I have friends for life, these Aww. wonderful, brilliant, fabulous nerds yeah. <laughs> who we I love, love it. <laughs> with all of my heart. So I just, I really encourage other people that no matter how isolated you might feel, especially if you have imposter syndrome, reach out to others um, because you're not alone in any way and you're always especially in grad school it really really puts people down so frequently but you're not you don't have to suffer alone mm-hmm. suffering alone is overrated it's it's glamorized in movies and it's just you know it's no. it's not it's not for me not for me it's either. not for me <laughs> <laughs> um what advice would you give for like the incoming graduate class and or people like <laughs> me who are getting ready to go through the application process yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um oh man uh plan out your time if you can um seek advice when you need it um from anyone and everyone and anyone who is willing to give it um 
be honest with yourself about the things that you can handle. Um, so don't try to overexert yourself for the sake of like coming across as really, really horribly capable, especially at the beginning, because it's fine. You're going to get through. <laughs> Join a lab. <laughs> then, then, then go off from there. <laughs> but, um, uh, but especially for undergrads who are about to start applying for grad school, um, try and identify, cause, because this is something that I wish that I had done, try and identify uh, one or two grad students who are in labs that you're interested in that you can reach out to just to chat. And, you know, we have Zoom now, <laughs> which is a interesting thing, <laughs> but um, I don't know that we're all very tired of it, but it is yeah. an excellent tool for communication. Mm -hmm. Even email is honestly, um, find someone that you feel like you can talk to and ask questions about graduate school, because I think committing to a school is so much of a choice. Um, but you have to make sure that you're going for reasons that you're comfortable with. So like you like the research, you feel comfortable in that environment. You feel like you can thrive at that location. It's really, really important. So see, see if you can get feedback from a grad student, um, even if it's just from cold emailing them. Um, you know, sometimes grad students get bored. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, res we'll respond and be like, heck yeah, I can spend 30 minutes getting Zoom coffee with you talking about grad school. <laughs> Aww, yeah. Anything to pull back the curtain of grad school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, I have to end this with the classic chemist tea question. <laughs> what is your favorite type of tea? Uh, my favorite type of tea is this really fabulous oolong tea that they sell at the Irvine Farmer's Market. Oh. Um, <laughs> it comes in like a really tiny gold foil package, and it is just the most delicious, earthy, delicate tea I've ever had. And if you splash a little bit of milk or oat milk for the lactose intolerant, <laughs> like myself, <laughs> it is just the most refreshing, soothing, calming drink, I think, on earth. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the long tea. And yeah. I might have, now I might have to go check it out at the Irvine Farmer's Market. I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> this is not sponsored, by the way. It's not. <laughs> Well, um, thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you so, so much, Alyssa, for being on the podcast. It's I feel an like honor. Thank you, Lucy, for having me and for uh, asking me such great questions. This is a great. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to have heard this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to follow Alyssa on Twitter, um, her Twitter handle will be linked in the episode description down below. <laughs> um, and just feel free to reach out if you have any questions about graduate school if you are like an incoming mental health if you want to vent yeah. honestly just hit me up i'm on twitter all the time <laughs> <laughs> who isn't exactly um well, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast for listening and if you do since we are an unsponsored podcast if you do wish to give a monetary donation um the link to our ko-fi page will also be in the episode description thank you so much bye mm -hmm.